0: chapter twenty eight of the portion of labor by mary e wilkins freeman the LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by matt ferrard chapter twenty eight andrew brewster lying in the dewy grass under the apple trees giving way for almost the first time since his childhood to impulses which had hitherto from his new england heredity stiffened instead of relaxed his muscles of expression felt as if he were being stung to death by ants he was naturally a man of broad views who felt the indignity of coping with such petty odds for god's sake if i had to be done to death why couldn't it have been for something he groaned speaking with his lips close to the earth as if it were a listening ear why need it all have been over so little it's just the little fight for enough to eat and wear that's getting the better of me that was a man and able to do a man's work in the world now it has come to this here i am running away from a woman because she wants me to pay her three dollars and i am afraid of another woman because i've been and fooled away a few hundred dollars i had in the savings bank i'm afraid yes it has come to this i am afraid afraid and i'd run away out of life if i knew where it would fetch me to i'm afraid of things that ain't worth being afraid of and it's all over things that's beneath me there came over andrew with his mouth to the moist earth feeling the breath and the fragrance of it in his nostrils a realization of the great motherhood of nature and a contempt for himself which was scorching and scathing before it he felt that he came from that mighty breast which should produce only sons of might and was spending his whole life in an ignominy of fruitless climbing up mole-hills why couldn't i have been more he asked himself oh my god is it my fault he said to himself that if he had not yielded to the universal law of longing of his kind for a home and family it might have been better he asked himself that question which will never be answered with the surety of correctness whether the advancement of the individual to his furthest compass is more to the glory of life than the blind following out the laws of existence and the bringing others into the everlasting problem of advance then he thought of ellen and a great warmth of conviction came over the loving heart of the man all his self-contempt vanished he had her this child who was above pearls and rubies he had her and in her the furthest reach of himself and progression of himself to greater distances than he could ever have accomplished in any other way and it was a double progress since it was not only for him but also for the woman he had married a great wave of love for fanny came over him he seemed to see that after all it was a shining road by which he had come and he saw himself upon it like a figure of light he saw that he lived and could never die then as with a remorseless hurl of a high spirit upon needle-pricks of petty cares he thought again of the dressmaker of the money for ellen's watch of the butcher's bill and the grocer's bills and the money which he had taken from the bank and again he cowered beneath and loathed his ignoble burden he dug his hot head into the grass oh my god oh my god he groaned. he fairly sobbed then he felt a soft wind of feminine skirts caused by the sudden stoop of someone beside him and ellen's voice shrill with alarm rang in his ears father what is the matter father such was the man's love for the girl that his first thought was for her alarm and he pushed all his own troubles into the background with a lightning-like motion he raised himself hastily and smiled at her with his pitiful stiff face it's nothing at all ellen don't you worry he said but that was not enough to satisfy her she caught hold of his arm and clung to her. father she said in a tone which had in it to his wonder a firm womanliness his own daughter seemed to speak to him as if she were his mother you are not telling me the truth something is the matter or you wouldn't do like this no there's nothing nothing at all dear child said andrew he tried to loosen her little clinging hand from his arm come let's go back to the house he said don't you mind anything about it sometimes father gets discouraged over nothing it isn't over nothing said ellen what is it about father andrew tried to laugh well if it isn't over nothing it's over nothing in particular said he it's over just what's happened right along sometimes father feels as if he hadn't made as much as he ought to out of his life and he's getting older and he's feeling kind of discouraged that's all over money matters said ellen looking at him steadily over oh, nothing said her father see here child father's ashamed that he gave way so and you found him now don't you worry one mite about it it's nothing at all come let's go back to the house he said ellen said no more but she walked up from the field holding tightly to her father's poor worn hand and her heart was in a tumult to behold any convulsion of nature is no light experience and when it is a storm of the spirit in one beloved the beholder is swept along with it in greater or less measure ellen trembled as she walked her father kept looking at her anxiously and remorsefully once he reached around his other hand and chucked her pleafully under the chin scared most to death was she he asked with a shamefaced blush i know something is the matter and i think it would be better for you to tell me father replied ellen soberly there's nothing to tell child said andrew don't you worry your little head about it between his anxiety lest the girl should be troubled and his intense humiliation that she should have discovered him in such an abandon of grief which was almost like a disclosure of the nakedness of his spirit he was completely unnerved ellen felt him tremble and heard his voice quiver when he spoke she felt towards her father something she had never felt before an impulse of protection she felt the older and stronger of the two her grasp on his hand tightened she seemed in a measure to be leading him along when they reached the yard between the houses andrew cast an apprehensive glance at the windows has she gone he asked who the dressmaker yes she hadn't when i came out i saw you come past the house and i thought you walked as if you didn't feel well so i thought i would run out and see i was all right replied andrew have you got to try on anything more to-night no well then let's run into grandma's a minute all right said ellen mrs elotis was sitting at her front window in the dusk looking out on the street as was her favourite custom the old woman seldom lit a lamp in the summer evening but sat there staring out at the lighted street and the people passing and repassing with her mind as absolutely passive as regarded herself as if she were travelling and observing only that which passed without at those times she became in a fashion sensible of the motion of the world and lost her sense of individuality in the midst of it when her son and granddaughter entered she looked away from the window with the expression of one returning from afar and seemed dazed for a moment Hello, mother said andrew the room was dusky and they moved across between the chairs and tables like two shadows oh is it you andrew said his mother who is that with you ellen yes said Ellen. How do you do, Grandma? Mrs. Elotis became suddenly fully awake to the situation. She collected her scattered faculties. Her keen old eyes gleamed in a shaft of electric light from the street without, which fell full upon her face. Sit down, said she. Has the dressmaker gone? No, she hadn't when I came out, replied Ellen, but she's most through for tonight. How do your things look? real pretty i guess sometimes i think you'd better have had miss patch i hope she ain't got your sleeves too tight at the elbows they seem to fit very nicely grandma sleeves are very particular things a sleeve wrong can spoil a whole dress suddenly the old woman turned on ellen with a look of extremist facetiousness and intelligence and the girl winced for she knew what was coming i see you going past with the young man last night didn't i said she ellen flushed yes she said almost indignantly for she had a feeling as if the veil of some inner sacredness of her nature were continually being torn aside i went over to miss lennox to carry some sweet peas and mr robert lloyd was there and he came home with me oh replied her grandmother ellen's patience left her at the sound of that oh which seemed to rasp her very soul you have none of you any right to talk and act as you do said she you make me ashamed of you you and mother father has more sense just because a young man makes me a call to return something and then walks home with me because he happened to be at the house where i call in the evening i think it's a shame you make me feel as if i couldn't look him in the face never mind grandma didn't mean any harm andrew said soothingly you needn't try to excuse me andrew brewster cried his mother angrily i guess it's a pretty to do if i can't say a word in joke to my own granddaughter if it had been a poor good-for-nothing young fellow working in that shoe factory i suppose she'd been tickled to death to be joked about him but now when it begins to look as if somebody that was worth while had come along grandma if you say another word about it, I will never speak to Robert Lloyd again as long as I live, declared Ellen. Never mind, child, whispered Andrew. I do mind, and I mean what I say, Ellen cried. I won't have it. Robert Lloyd is nothing to me, and I am nothing to him. He is no better than Granville Joy. There is nothing between us, and you make me too ashamed to think of him then the old woman cried out in a tone of triumph well there he is turning in at your gate now End of chapter twenty eight